going on? I'm Vince Mancini. You're listening to the Film Drunk Frogcast. It's going to be a great show today. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, I got a Dimitri Martin interview that I'm going to slot in there. I know I promised that like a couple weeks ago because I had to hold it for a few weeks and then we mentioned it in the uh, outro and I forgot to take it out. So like I mentioned in the interview that, that never happened. God willing, you will hear that interview this time. Now, let me introduce uh, my co-host for the evening, sitting across from me, uh, Miss Allison Mick. Hello! She's wearing her best crystal necklace that imbues her with podcasting powers yep. today. Um, sitting next to me, human giant, future NFL Hall of Famer, Brendan. <laughs> piss tape! Yeah, he wants to see the piss tape. Show me the piss tape. Who doesn't? Yeah, I mean that's the only thing that that could be good. I mean, otherwise, there's like there's nothing else that we have to hope for. It's like, oh boy, maybe Trump will get impeached, which is already like pie in the sky. And even if that happened, then what? We get fucking Pence as president? No thanks. Ugh. Um, and if you hear road noise right now, that's because joining us via cell phone is uh is Road Matt. Matt hey, Lee. What Wonder Woman is a Zionist. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the new take of that Wonder Woman's a Zionist? It sure is, the actress baby. Is I got Israeli. some hot takes about some anti-Zionist and pro-Zionist takes. I got them all. Yeah. You're an American Jew, so you have to have multiple takes on it. Yeah, I got both both sides in my brain fighting each other. You straddle both sides of the wailing wall? Oh, both sides of it. It's it's uh, one side I'm in the Wailing Wall, the other side I'm on the Al Aqsa Mosque. Al Al Aqsa Mosque. It's hard to pronounce. <laughs> There's a lot of A sounds in Arabic. I can't tell if you're glitching Al-Aqsa. or just saying. <laughs> what did you just say? We're off to was, a great was start. It anti, was it anti-Semitic? Yeah, a little no. bit. No. It was anti-Muslim. God. <laughs> So speaking of, of, of Wonder Woman, I, I'm curious about like how insulated you guys are from all the Wonder Woman takes because uh, having seen the movie and being part of the film Twitter, pretty much I've had it up to here with all the Wonder Woman takes. Kind of done with it. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the uh, did you? Yeah, guys... I mean, I you don't you don't need to see the movie to hear all of the goddamn takes. I've heard all the takes. I haven't seen a shred of film. <laughs> Which is not rare for you, to be fair. I just yeah, clicked I through like all the movies. takes. I went through all the tabs really fast on my computer of all the takes, and there were so many photos that it was like seeing the movie. <laughs> right, yeah. It was just like a flip book. Mm-hmm. I just opened Twitter, and right after each other, it was like, um, Wonder Woman's actually bad. Wonder Woman's the best film ever. Wonder Woman's a Zionist. And I was like, all right, I got everything. I Why Wonder Woman being bad is actually good. <laughs> And what that means for America. Stop appropriating Wonder Woman's culture. <laughs> Amazon culture. As a giant woman, I take offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually Speaking. wish I would have seen the Zionism ones. That would have been like a nice departure. She was well, in the it, IDF or something it, as a is kid. Is it yeah. a subtext that they're reading that they interpret as, um, no, no. as anti-Zionist? Or is it just because she's Israeli? Or that, It's sorry. just because she's Israeli. It's because she is Israeli and because she, in 2014 or 13, whenever the last invasion uh, or, or bombing of Gaza was, she posted like a pro-IDF Facebook post. And, uh, and yeah, so people, people don't like her because she's Israeli and she's pro-IDF. Uh, 
Did she serve uh, in the IDF? She she did, I believe. Well, you, you have to, every, right? Yeah, everyone, everyone, but she everyone wore flats on the red carpet. She's a feminist hero. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, uh, you know, people people have a thousand reasons to hate uh, Wonder Woman and a thousand reasons to like Wonder Woman. I, I just choose not to see it. <laughs> All of them are used, being used as an indictment on women's films. So, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I hope there's more good takes. I just it makes me tired well, because it's like when I'm like ah it's it's not that much better than than other superhero movies. Then people are like, well, why do why are you holding women to a, a different standard? And I'm like, no, no, I want all superhero movies to be better. And I think the 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 main male ones are pretty bad too. Uh, I'm glad that women get the chance to also make a bad superhero movie, but that's kind of what this one is. I heard it was good. It's I from mean, women. It's not terrible. It's like it's only than, like seventy two percent as bad as some of the other serial like, superhero <laughs> movies. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, exactly. It would have been fifty eight if she was Latina. So yeah, there you go. Progress. Uh, the guy from Vulture got dragged for for a review. <gasps> that was so. Why? But, Talk about really? it. Okay, so tell me what's bad about this review. Like, I'm trying to find the like, gist the was fi- like she didn't give me a big enough boner, and no, then he like it's not like he I was, read it. Okay, I'll read it. I'll read it. Read, read the it, whole thing okay. in its entirety. The only grace note in the generally clunky Wonder Woman. Okay, clunky. I mean, maybe you shouldn't use that because you could use that to describe like a clumsy woman. Anyway, uh, clunky Wonder Woman is its star, the five foot ten inch Israeli actress and model Gal Gadot. Is it Gadot? Godot. Godot, okay. I don't yeah. know how to pronounce Hebrew words, so I assumed it was Godot. Well, he put uh, in that waiting for Godot reference. Mm-hmm. Hebrew mm-hmm. is it's filled, only good part. It's filled with silent T's, except for Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who is somehow the perfect blend of super babe in the woods innocence and mouthiness. She plays Diana, the daughter of the Amazon queen Hippolyta, and a trained warrior, but she's also a militant peacenik. Diana lives with Amazon women on a mystically shrouded island, but she's not Amazonian herself. Blah 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 blah. Uh, Godot didn't just wow didn't wow me in her debut in Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Her elation while fighting made for a welcome counterpoint to all the gloom, but she seemed like a stiff out of costume. But maybe it was Ben Affleck's heaviness that dragged her down. She's a treat here with her raspy, accented voice and driving delivery. Uh, parenthetical. Israeli women are a breed unto themselves, which I say with both admiration and trepidation. In some scenes... What the fuck does, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it means they're... It different means, from regular ladies. Uh, mean, they're not like the other girls. They're not like other girls. I think it means they're tough. Yeah, well, I choose to see it as anti-Semitic. Keep going. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> uh, in some scenes, Godot's Diana pauses mid-rant with a vertical cre- and a vertical crease appears at the base of her broad forehead. Her mind is churning. Why do humans kill the innocent? Where broad is Ares? Forehead. Are men necessary for anything but procreation? No. <laughs> uh, while this Wonder Woman is still into ropes, Diana's lasso both catches bad guys and squeezes the truth out of them, fans might be disappointed that there's no trace of the comic's well-documented S&M kinkiness. With a female director, Patty Jenkins, at the helm, Diana, Diana isn't even photographed to elicit slobbers. Slobbering S&M-oriented American patriots will even be more put out, given that Wonder Woman is no longer dressed in red, white, and blue, but golden tone for the international, and perhaps these days less American-friendly, ticket buyers. I didn't miss Linda Carter's buxom, apple-cheeked pinup, though. It was worth waiting for Godot. Hey! 
So is that oh, the part that people like? It was worth reading for that pun. Yeah, but is it like is it sexist because he's pointing out that the original Wonder Woman's kind of porny, which it totally is. The TV show, but is yeah. he talking about the comics? Because that didn't get porny until the seventies. Well, I mean, he's he linked well documented S and M kinkiness. So I, I think assume he's he has just reading basis. into it. Is it linked? Because if but it's not linked, not re- fuck him. It's he's linked. just making it up. It's linked. S&M kinkiness. To another article written so, by him. Wonder <laughs> Woman's kinky feminist roots on the Atlantic. So the it's criticism a, of that was that he... to a comic. Somebody it, couldn't he, sell he it He commented salon. that it didn't make him horny enough. I think that's what people are turning it into, but I think he's just sort of, uh, he was sort of comparing it to the 70s show. That's, what I, that's the way I read it. Mick LaSalle got horny as fuck. Yeah, he Nicholas was Al sat next, almost sat next to me during uh, during um, the Wonder Woman screening. No, not the Wonder Woman. It was the he would have done the popcorn in the hole trick if <laughs> if, if this Vance if this review is any indication. No, we had a. Bad... We're talking about a face that holds the audience in a happy state of suspension and awe, so that when a close up comes, everybody stops breathing and looks. Yeah, that's fair. No one's talking I'm about on board like a this. She's very attractive. Like superhero suit since like Batman had nipples. Dude, I said we talk about it all the or at least I talk you about talk it all the time. <laughs> I still think about it all the time. I mean, I don't know. Fence you're ahead of the zeitgeist. Well, I just like I get that women are a little sick of being objectified, but I also think that there's we're, we're aiming for something that doesn't exist. Like we're aiming for this society where we like never objectify each other. Where the reality is, like, no, we just want everybody it. does it. Well, you want it to be equal, which is fine. Yeah, American Gods has so many dicks, and every show should have naked dicks in it. Yeah, that's I the only agree. reason I'm watching that show. And like, it's actually pretty good, but like, I'm there for the dicks. Yeah, even though the first dick is Dane Cooks. What really? Yeah, he's in it. Does he have a good dick? Um, it's not his. Does he play a god? Uh, no, he plays a dude. He plays a naked guy. Like, they see a dick pic from him in, like, the first five minutes of the episode, and then it shows up later. It's great. So can you trust any any dick anymore now that you can do, like, you can, like, digitally stitch people together? Like, are we just always left to assume it's, like, a stunt dick or, a, or like, a green screen dick? No, I think dicks like that exist. They, like, cast for dicks the way they cast for faces. Right, right. Like, like we need something it, turgid. You want a dick that's substantial <laughs> but not overbearing. Yeah, like to mess it, but accessible. Right, right. Yeah, just like a dick next door. You want it f- like you want it plump, but not rigid. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind sort of dick. Of I want. Like not lumpy. Okay, but seriously, what is the part of this review? A lumpy dick could play Willem Dafoe's dick. That's right. That's yeah. true. He's kind of he's angular human. You figure he'd have like sort of a naughty gnarled. His dick, dick has cheekbones. <laughs> yeah, he sort of has like a. He's got like a live oak dick. There, there is like a student film out there floating around the the internet of him kind of doing this jaunty dance with his dick bouncing around. Oh, like he, like you could just look at me. Willem Dafoe's face and you're like, oh, I know that guy's on film. His dick's on film somewhere. Yeah, yeah. he's very art school (laughs) yeah uh seriously though so what part of that like what part of the review was like worthy of a of a dragging uh i'm gonna guess the snm stuff but he like he he backed it up it was like linked it wasn't like he just said oh hey i wish she would like tie me up and make my dick hard yeah but you're looking for reason on on social media dragging there's no reason all there is is an accidental uh he's a dumb dude he fucking deserves it yeah, I mean, that's generally true, which is why I'm not, like, the first person. Uh, that's not the hill I'm usually going to die on. But I, th- when I was reading this one, I was like, yeah, I Are you going to defend Vulture? You didn't fucking say anything. 
I mean, he's also the uh, the critic for NPR. Oh no! Which makes me less apt to. Uh, His glasses him. are this much thicker than a regular vulture rider. That's exactly. His frames are so much chunkier. Mm. Um. So yeah, I saw Wonder Woman. It was okay. And then uh, I was a little put off by everybody, you know, acting like it was like the this this great stride forward for the the culture. And then I saw the Mummy, and I was like, oh yeah. We do have a long way to go. <laughs> I'll watch it. I just want to see women killing men. It, it makes me so, so happy. Bad. I watch it. That that would be awesome. I love that. That is in it, right? Yeah, it's in okay. it. But there should be more. I need that Fury Road feeling. Yeah, but yeah. it's not. It's just not like from... women working together with Mother Nature, killing fucking dudes. That's, That's great. why like, Fury Road was awesome. It yeah. was so like I. I I read yeah. a review and it's it's not about killing men. It's about like they still need their like life essence to survive. So it's kind of. When are we going to get you past needing yeah. semen? Wonder yeah. Woman? No, I'm talking about the mummy. Oh, the mummy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, the mummy's terrible. It's yeah. not. The mummy is just uh, Cara Delevingne's plot from Suicide Squad. <laughs> That's what yeah, it sounded basically. like. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's basically there's two characters. Uh, one is a sexy archaeologist, and the other is like basically a That's thousand. That's the chick from Furious Four or Furious Eight. Um, the blonde lady. No, she's not in Furious Eight. She's yeah. in. Where was she in Furious Eight? She is Dominic's baby mama. No, that's her. Do, oh, you mean the 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 mummy? Yeah, the mummy is done. No, in, not the the blonde lady. No, she's not in Furious Eight. Is she? What? Yeah, you crazy. I know a European actress when I see him. <laughs> if it's not her, then it's definitely like a doppelganger, like Alexa or Alexandra Breckenridge, uh, Evan Rachel Wood situation. What the hell? What the hell? She's in Peaky Blinders. That's where I know her from. Yeah, she's not. But also, she's, she's not in. Uh, oh, the blonde, the Irish woman from the, Peaky Blinders. She gets banged by someone. Killian Murphy. Yeah, his dick has cheekbones. Mm. Mm-hmm. And okay. strike, striking for He's sure. got one striking. He opens blue letters eye. with his dick bones. <laughs> it's got like a nice page boy cap. <laughs> <laughs> and a fun little Macklemore haircut. Mm-hmm. We should do like a, a coffee table book of like what we imagine celebrities' dicks look like. Everyone mm-hmm. just draw it, and uh-huh. then there's four different drawings. Mm-hmm. You can merge them and like to give call you like it a dictionary. Com- <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, don't see the mummy, by the way. Like, I don't think I've ever been. I haven't been that demoralized coming out of a movie for like a really long time. Since We're, Suicide Squad. No, Suicide Squad was at least bad enough to be like laughed at. True. Like, Suicide Squad was, like, coming out of, like, a Papa Roach concert where you're like, that, <laughs> that wasn't my thing, but it's kind of, like, I kind of enjoy it for what it is. Whereas this was just straight up, like, I weep yeah, for humanity. And, like, the, the Brendan Fraser mummy movies were bad, but in a similar, you, you, no, like, I, I, I came out of those movies, like, <laughs> I sort of enjoyed that, like, in a, its own, like, crappy way. Like, they're crappy movies, but I was Why? like, I mean, that was, like, somewhat entertaining. But, yeah, I, I'm with, like, I just watching the trailer, I'm like, I... That looks so painful to watch. Well, and it's like you can just—it just feels like a corporate presentation where it's kind of like, well, here's a character that's going to show up three movies from now. Mm-hmm. It's—I don't get why they had to remake the Mummy franchise from before. They could have. This just seems like a totally separate, different movie. Well, the review I read yeah. said that this is an attempt to set up a new. Yeah. franchise where this they're, could just be they're trying mummy. to take all the like classic universal films monsters mm-hmm. and create a universe where they're all like unleashed it's right yeah, it's, expanded cinematic yeah it's yes it's an attempt to create the dark universe which is like yes. frankenstein and the mummy and like what, wolfman these, or something yeah, the wolfman swamp um, thing 
I think we call this like property maintenance. Basically, like they have to keep making these movies so they don't lose the uh, copyright. Right. That's why we have like eight Spider-Mans, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why? And Man, they have seventy I hope, years. I hope they make another Teen Wolf. <laughs> they should. <laughs> they probably will. I, I mean, well, they did. They made it for MTV. Yeah, the TV show. It's what? good. It's There's good. A Teen Wolf show. Yeah, it's funny. It's sexy. It's got a bunch of little sexy babies in it. Is it about a young Teen Wolf who fucks? Yes. Nice. He plays lacrosse. That's what the first movie's called. That's that's the update. He doesn't play basketball. He plays lacrosse. He probably gets a penalty shot instead Mm -hmm. of a free throw. Yeah. And his fun friend is like the manager who eventually Mm -hmm. makes the team. It's like a Landry on uh, Mm -hmm. Friday Night Lights situation. Don't go. Don't look at the moon, Blake. (laughs) 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 Fucking lacrosse. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah. Teen Wolf. I hope they make another Air Bud. They made one with a sexy puppy. No, he's dead. Yeah, young oh. Airbud air who fucks. <laughs> Are you guys just, watching Riverdale? Just humping that, legs. No, what channel is that, that even on? The CW, but it's on uh, Netflix now. Okay, it's so good. Really? Do they sexy a babies? Lot of fuck? A lot uh, of fucking? No fucking, but just like everyone's really brooding and yeah. like, I like it. It's good. A brood is like a pre-fuck. That's like you brood. You you smolder. There's a lot of smoldering glances. Mm-hmm. You brood because you're mad that you're not fucking. That's right. A lot of like yeah. looking down, looking up at Archie, biting the lip, looking down. Oh, so much lip biting. Wait, oh. I, that doesn't make sense. Why are we Why are we making a show about it's Riverdale good. if everyone's broody? Because isn't it's that good. like the opposite? I it's, mean, is that I guess maybe Jughead that's my is own such question. a moody little cutie. Uh, I love him so much. Yeah, you obviously never read any Archie comics because uh, it gets pretty dark in there. <laughs> <laughs> Jughead doesn't eat one hamburger yep. in the entire first season, and it makes me so uh, mad. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, Wonder Woman didn't have an invisible jet either. Fuck that. What? You know, I would I would do a callback to like Frogcast, I don't know, 74. <laughs> and we saw that stupid Robin Hood movie with oh, um, yeah. Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. With a you sexy fox who fucks? That's not like the exact same thing where the whole movie, like nothing happened in the movie because they were just like, oh, well, this will do fine and this will just be the setup for the franchise. And it was like, no, this movie sucks so fucking bad. No one's going to see it. And that's exactly what happened. And you well, could tell did- they tried to do the whole thing to make it like set up for a, a huge franchise. Like they entered like this. They didn't even introduce half the characters until like the last 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, he like yeah, assembled yeah. the Merry Men, yeah. you know, like in the last 10 minutes of the movie. It was so bad. No, I mean, dude, it gave us a lot of good references for Robin Hood Men in Tights yeah. where they could make fun of it the it's next a, year. It's no, amazing no, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I'm talking about there was a Russell Crowe yeah, Robin Hood movie that oh, came out. a couple yeah. years ago? Yeah. This was the other it was uh, so bad. It's amazing that you mentioned that because that was the exact thing that I was thinking. Because you didn't see the movie. I He's saw so the old. movie. And that's the exact thing that I was thinking. And, and they tried to do it with King Arthur like a, a month ago where the oh, end. Right. The Guy Ritchie. Like the end of King Arthur is literally him fucking like making the round table out of wood. Like the whole movie happens Dumb. and then he makes a round table. And this is pretty much like that. The Mummy is exactly like that. Where at the end, I won't even—I won't spoil the ending completely. But there's please do. Tom Cruise becomes a character do at the it. end, and who, who seems like he's going to be something going forward. And also, they introduce Russell Crowe as a Doctor Jekyll, like in the middle of the fucking movie. What? Like somehow Doctor Jekyll's and invo- involved with the uh, with the Mummy universe, which is funny because he's like. Um, Hello, yeah. my name's Doctor Jekyll, yeah. and I don't believe I met you before, Mister. It's Doctor, Doctor. <laughs> 
jackal. Yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then you're waiting for the other characters to laugh and be like, oh, you, you're like, what are you doing here? And you're like that character in the book. And then you're like, oh, no, no, they don't know because this is part of that fictional. Wrong song stage, Russell. I just, <laughs> oh, God, I forgot they did the Arthur movie, too. <laughs> yeah. They all uh, have that beat and, from... Uh, all the Star Wars prequels where they're uh, like, this is going to pay off later, but yeah. it doesn't pay off unless you've yeah. already seen the le- the next two movies. Or they uh, see Marvel, because Marvel has like a was, million characters. And it was so Guy Ritchie too, right? these people so, are yeah. already familiar oh, with that. God. Right. What's your, what are you making there, Arthur? <laughs> it's a table now, isn't it? <laughs> what kind of table's round? Who's sitting at the end? It's not a square table now, is it, Tommy? Exactly. The table's a rectangular offer. Who do you suppose is going to sit at the end of the table? You're not thinking right about it, Lancelot. (laughs) With this table, nobody sit at the end. Maybe like a right cracking bag of crisps in the Tesco (laughs) parking lot. Bob's your uncle. Man, aren't you sad that Brendan steals all your impressions? When you're here? <laughs> I want a yes and so bad right now, and I can't yes and. Yeah, you can. You just got to jump in there. Yeah. It's really hard to jump in. I Sometimes I feel like no one can hear me. We can all hear you, Matt. You're screaming. Okay, okay, everyone quiet, 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 okay? Ready? Okay, quiet, quiet, okay. Hello! <laughs> Why? It's more like an oval table. <laughs> well, can I, why is it oval? Because uh, someone has to sit at the end and it's got to be the king. No, but isn't that the whole point of the, the round table? Oh, uh, no. The point of the round table is to... So that you could use a lazy Susan and everyone could reach for what they need. <laughs> what do you eat on the round on the oval table? Mostly circular objects. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Such well, as Goodbye! <laughs> goodbye! I gotta go. Farewell. Hey, what's up? Um, sorry if this feels like a weird departure from the normal broadcast, but I did this interview with Dimitri Martin this week uh, in the the ballroom of a hotel, which is probably why it seems low energy compared to the normal broadcast. But um, I think it's a pretty good interview. He's got a movie called Dean coming out uh, June second that he wrote and directed and produced, um, and he was one of the guys, one of the comics that was kind of big when I was thinking about doing stand-up. So it was really interesting for me to talk to him, and I think it's a pretty interesting interview. So I hope you like it, and uh, it's about a half hour, and after that, it'll be back to your normal broadcast. All right, here you go. Sheet of questions. Typed, typed it up, yeah. Um, so tell me about getting started in comedy. Were you were you doing cartoons and visual aids, like at shitty open mics, or I mean, how did that work? No, no, I, I didn't do drawings... Uh, I drew as a kid, and then um, I just stopped drawing around sixth grade, I'd say. And then I started doing stand-up when I was 24. Probably about two years into it, I started trying to bring, you know, some drawings onto stage. Um, But more drawing in my notebooks just for fun. Mm -hmm. And then, let's see, 2003, I shot my first half hour special and and in that I put some drawings I had started in 97 so that's six years into it 
I unveiled some of them. So how old were you for your first half hour? Uh, 24 plus 6, 30. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess you seem, you probably get that you seem younger than you. Yeah, I'm 44 this month, so yeah. <laughs> I'm 20 years into stand-up. Um, do you have like a comedy origin story? What were you, what were you like as a child? Was that something that you wanted to no. do? you wanted to do? No, I, I, uh, seventh grade, my goal was to go to law school and I did go to law school, but then I dropped out after the second year. So I didn't really have, um, any ambition beyond, uh, that. And then in New York where I was going to law school, there were a couple of comedy clubs near the law school. One of them right across the street behind the law school, and the other one was down the street. The one down the street's the Comedy Cellar. That's pretty famous now. The other one's gone. It was called the Boston Comedy Club. I'd walk by the Boston all the time on my way to class. And I remember thinking when I decided to go to law school in New York that I wanted to try stand-up before I graduated just so I, you know, so I wouldn't regret it and say, oh, I should just try it. So at least later in life I can say I gave it a shot. But then I was just not interested in pursuing law. Like shortly after getting into law school, I realized ah, I made a mistake here. This isn't for me. So I tried to figure out, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And I, I like joking around with my friends and stuff. So I thought, well, I think comedy would be, you know, a good job if I could find a way to make a living doing that. So that turned into, yeah, I'm going to be a comedian. And I just dropped out and I started doing stand up the summer after my second year. Mm-hmm. Where were you living before you came to law school in New York? Uh, I was in Connecticut. I went to Yale for college. And before that, um, Jersey Shore is where I'm from, Tom's River, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, is there, I know a lot of uh, law students that like drop out to sort of become writers or pursue comedy. Do you, is there something like about the sort of like dullness of legal work that sort of makes you want to maybe do or maybe, comedy? Maybe just law school is more of a re- convenient receptacle for a lot of people who, I guess, don't know what else to do with their lives and might be good at taking tests and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people in my law school who seemed passionate about studying law and seemed like they found the right fit. And I remember envying them and feeling like, oh, I wish I was as interested in this, but uh, I found it required a, a certain thoroughness or something that I don't naturally have. And Yeah, it's just, I don't know, maybe a little too grown up for me. And uh, it turned out... Creativity is a really important part of my daily life, and I didn't feel like, for me, law was was the right outlet, you know. But mm-hmm. I didn't mean I was going to make a living, and I didn't know anybody growing up who had a living or was making a living doing, I guess you'd say, creative things, writing, playing music, drawing, acting, singing. I just didn't know anybody. No, none of the grown-ups I knew had those kinds of jobs down on the Jersey Shore, so... It was not accessible to me, mm-hmm. but um, I guess spending time in New York helped because I was around. It was around, so I felt like, all right, yeah, I can try that. Did you meet someone that was was a comedian before you started, or did you just sort of walk past the comedy clubs and think? Yeah, no, I didn't know any comedians, but yeah, I just walked past. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, I watched a lot of stand up on TV. That was the eighties. I watched on TV at that time a lot of. If you flip through the channels, you could find. MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour, VH1 Stand Up Spotlight, you know, Carolyn's Comedy Hour, Live from the Comic Strip. There were just a series of these different shows that were, I guess you call them showcase shows, with, you know, five minute spots for each comic. And then the HBO specials were, those were on TV when I was a kid too. So my 
access to stand up was through TV. Mm-hmm. So how long were you pursuing it before you could like you know quit your day job and like what was your what were your day jobs like while you were pursuing that? Well, my day jobs were temping in New York in uh, various locations. You know, I, I registered with some temp agency and I answered phones. I did clerical work. Then I trained to be a proofreader because somebody, another comedian told me that you could get more money per hour if you were proofreading rather than just answering phones. So I trained to be a proofreader and I did that in law firms, financial printers, and then eventually in an ad agency. And then they needed a full-time proofreader. They only had one on staff. And this was during the dot-com boom. So I worked in a part of town in Manhattan which they called Silicon Alley, which was Fifth Avenue Mm -hmm. near Union Square. So they brought me on as their full-time proofreader. So I did that until, I'd say, 2002, somewhere around there. 2003, I got hired as a full-time writer, as a staff writer at Conan. So that was was an official job in comedy. I think it was 2002 that I left, and then I was piecing together a living from doing little things. In comedy, 2002. And I, yeah, from 2003 on, or 2002, I guess you could say, I didn't have to do other jobs anymore. Mm-hmm. Did, did any of like the uh, temp work, you know, like ad agencies and things, uh, did that end up inspiring bits uh, of, of Dean, you know, where you're, where you're pitching the ad oh, guys? No, that, actually that didn't. I talked to a couple of people from, I've run into people from when I used to work at this, proofreading at this ad agency. And... I was talking about it with them and I said, I'm trying to remember how this, my, my story goes here because that didn't influence it. But I remember explaining to someone from my, let's call it early career there, that I'm not taking a shot at anybody I work with. But I did um, I did a couple of ad camp, no, actually not too many. I think I've only done like two or three ad things ever since I got into showbiz. But one of them was a bigger campaign and I worked with this like boutique agency and there were some real dude bros working there. So, so that was based on that experience specifically. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a treadmill desk. There's no the details in there that are the same, but the feeling was like, it's all those guys. I think I was reading another interview with you where you said you actually have a treadmill desk. I do, yeah. Yeah, and, and the one... <laughs> so it feels like a shot, but it's not like that much of a... No, that's... Yeah, that's... I, I love my treadmill desk. I, I live in a canyon and I don't... We don't have sidewalks, so... All those years I lived in New York, I walked a lot to write and brainstorm and, you know, just daydream about different ideas, mostly for stand-up mm-hmm. material. But then that led into more narrative ideas, book ideas, TV pitches, movie ideas. Then I moved to California, to Los Angeles, and where we live, we don't have sidewalks. So I could, like, pace around my house or my backyard, mm-hmm. which is small. And then I thought, well, I could get a treadmill desk. And I looked it up. I've had it for years now, but um, you, you can buy a, you know, people say, oh, you have a treadmill, you put a desk on it. I said, no, you can buy a treadmill desk. <laughs> I got it on Amazon for like yeah. 1200 bucks. Best money I ever spent. I, I can, re- I can on a good day, I can walk like five miles, mm-hmm. six miles while I'm can sending emails. Can you actually emails. type while you do that? Yeah, it's low really? speed. I'm mm-hmm. not going fast. But yeah, I can do my email stuff and you know, write jokes, work on scripts, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't draw while I walk. I've tried that. It doesn't, doesn't work so well. I have to sit. 
So the end of that interaction, I think he says something like, "Ah, oh, we'll just copy his style or something like yeah. that," because you don't agree to to. Uh, yeah, they they want to use my drawings. Right, I'm not interested. Have you ever had an experience in that way? Not not so much in the end world, but I have I've seen friends and I've talked to friends who've had bits stolen or it was very coincidental parallel development. Um, where you just see it in a commercial. Mm-hmm. So who knows, you know? Um, and then in stand up, you know, people. People steal, they, they copy, and you can't protect yourself. It's just how it is. Right. There's, there's, as far as I know, no intellectual property protection for stand-up material. <laughs> it's hard to prove, it would seem yeah. like. Yeah. Um, on that note, like some people you meet in comedy, like you meet sort of the misfit type where like comedy sort of feels like the only thing they can not get fired from. And yeah. then, you know, then on the other end, there's people like you where people probably look at you and think, oh, this guy could probably make like a comfortable middle-class living somewhere. Yeah. Um, Do you ever feel sort of judgment from some of the people that were in comedy as sort of like the, as the last resort? No, I've never felt that. I, there's, there's a surprising amount of kinship between a lot of the comedians, certainly in New York when I was coming up. You know, some people are competitive, probably some sociopaths, people are messed up. I'm more on the nerd end of the spectrum, as you say, kind of in a polite way. Yeah, I could have a regular <laughs> middle-class job. But yeah, I'm a, I'd say a relatively high-functioning person who could have, let's call it a regular job. But you, you kind of, you're drawn to your, your kind of similar folks, I guess, in the comedy community. But you also end up having a lot in common with, people you wouldn't have anything else in common with because you're comedians and you do two years, five years, 15, now 20 years in for me. There are people I've known for a long time who are really different than I am. But when we see each other, usually if I go to New York, I stop by the comedy cellar. Even if I'm in town for something else, or I only have a couple days there, I love to go by the cellar because there's the upstairs area where people, comics just hang out and you can stay there till like two in the morning or whatever. So it's great. Just catch up with people, mm-hmm. talk about the road, you know, whatever. But yeah, I never really felt that. Um, what I did feel, there was a time in New York where there was, there were these factions, I guess you could call, like the club comics, the straight ahead, traditional, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. comedians, and then the alternative ones. Right. And I was lumped into the alternative group, not really by choice, but... It was hard to get stage time when I started. So the clubs, they wouldn't give me a lot of stage time. Mm-hmm. So I'd go into other rooms that weren't comedy clubs. And in those rooms, you'd find people who were doing things that were more experimental. Maybe they had a slide projector or a guitar, keyboard, you know, doing a sketch, having mm-hmm. a plant in the audience. The comedy clubs aren't designed for that. They're right. just not built for it. So they have a brick wall and a microphone. Go up, tell your jokes. You get seven minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. Next, you know, this next guy kind of thing. But the alternative rooms, and this is like late 90s, early 2000s, they were more of an experimental kind of hotbed, I'd say, of people trying different kinds of comedy. So yeah, you'd be, you, someone like me was branded you know, alternative mm-hmm. by some of the guys, some of the club comics. Ironically, to me, I do, you could say some of the most old-fashioned comedy there is because they're just jokes. Right. I mean, jokes and stories, I don't know what predates that it's pretty simple 
Well, there's also the old sort of SNL dichotomy where where there's like the Ivy League writer, right? So you kind of fall into that. Was there that? Was that you know? Was that in the subculture? Was that one of the categories? You know, I sidestepped that because I didn't. I guess I did have the writing job at Conan, but I wasn't. I didn't go to Harvard, and even though I went to Yale, it, there actually is a little bit of a difference there because the Lampoon is a really established. Um, vetting mechanism I don't know what you mm-hmm. want to call it but they staff a lot of shows there is no analog at Yale not when I went there I don't know if there is now so I wasn't part of that Harvard Mafia and I really chose stand up was my ambition and that's what I wanted when I got the writing job at Conan I was thrilled but that was in a roundabout way because I had been doing stand up comedy for a while and still I identify myself mostly as a stand up mm-hmm. Um, what's like, what's your experience of your current level of fame? Like you seem like on one hand, you're sort of a thousand times more famous than most comics, but then you're not quite like a household name either. Like what, what's what's it like being in that sort of middle ground? Yeah. It's like being under mild surveillance. Like I just (laughs) don't know when somebody knows what I do or anything. And then they surprise me on a plane or something after the flights, after we're landing. Yeah, he'll turn to me. I've been sitting next to him. He's like, hey, I liked your special or whatever. I'm just like, ah, oh, you got to tell me that. <laughs> just tell me, give me some signal you know who I am before we take off so I know I'm being watched because, you know, I'm drawing, I'm writing jokes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, mostly um, when I had this Comedy Central series a while back, I get recognized more and, you know, I was kind of in the zeitgeist and then that went away and I've kind of fizzled back down to my, my pre-Comedy Central days, which is quite comfortable. I have two kids and a wife and... I'm I'm pretty happy where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I, I'm whatever level I'm at. People who know me are usually only people who like what I do because they they're seeking out the material or somebody told them. Pe- regular non fans don't know who I am or care what I do. You know what I mean? Like if you're a reality TV star, you'd have a lot of people who know who you are who don't like what you do, right? Or whatever. But I'm sure there's a graph that you can explain this. Yeah, I'm sure there <laughs> there probably is. Um, yeah, so I'm not. I'm not so famous, um, but yeah, that's it is interesting that if you get fame, I, it certainly can help a lot of things. But it does seem like a lot of constraints come with that. So, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not chasing that too hard. Mm-hmm. You you say you're like less famous now. Do you ever find yourself? I guess you probably wouldn't need to feel the need to explain. But I mean, now you're doing movies where it's just the release cycle is much different We're yeah like, oh now i'm just working on a thing that takes a lot longer yeah, and it's harder yeah yeah definitely i and then i'm not i don't feel like you know i need to tell people what i do or explain or give my credits or any of that stuff it's it's nice having been around for a while because i, I like making the stuff that i make some of it takes longer than i would like i'm just not fast enough movie took a while it's a small movie but it was challenging um you know i hope people like it it'd be great if it was some big surprise hit or something but i'm up against guardians of the galaxy wonder woman (laughs) like there's all kinds of gigantic things that are going to bulldoze my little thing right to Mm -hmm. the side but maybe some people will find it and then i get to make another one when i focus on the process more i often end up feeling a lot happier than when i focus on results just because at least there's a greater illusion of control in the process. Right. But for results, it's like so out of my hands. You, you can't really do it. So anything. like how happy were you with the way the movie turned out? Well, I'm happy with how it turned out for what it is. 
if I judge it against what I thought I was making, then it gets more complicated because mm-hmm. the realities of making a small movie really intervened where I thought, oh, cool, I'm, I wrote this script and I'll shoot this, I'll shoot that, we'll have this sequence and it'll lead to this and I can do this. And then you learn quickly, oh, we don't have the kind of time to do that and the location didn't work out and I've got a 20-day shoot and now I'm like, you do the math and you realize, oh my God, 20 days for a full feature film, you're shooting this many scenes per day. Mm-hmm. You can only move this quickly from one location to another so then you have to kind of change locations. It's just a very sobering reality check for a lot of it. How much did I mean? How much did stand up uh, help you? I mean, like you have an idea of what you're going to say, and then you go in front of the audience, and they don't like part of it, and you do like I mean, how, like having to improvise on the fly did that yeah. experience sort of help when you're making the movie? Yes and no. Yes, in as insofar as um, over time, stand up is such a great laboratory because you have an audience telling you this immediate feedback loop every night no matter what size venue and even in front of five people they're they're giving me information they're they're teaching me we like this we don't like that we think you're funny this way we don't buy that from you you know for better or worse they kind of put you in some sort of a role and you're like oh okay because i thought i was this but they're telling me this many audiences now have clearly told me like they don't no, I'm not that to them. They're judging me. They, they, I look a certain way that I don't realize. You know, things like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So it's great. They, they help you develop. So that's helpful when you want to then try to write a movie or a TV series where you want to put yourself or that comedic part of yourself into a story or something. You can say, well, audiences have told me over time that this, you know, they'll they'll accept me as an illustrator guy or comedians my job <laughs> you know mm-hmm. maybe a guy who works in an office probably not as a quarterback or a, an action hero or a hang gliding instructor you know there's certain mm-hmm. things that maybe if I, if I could get better as an actor but the, the shortcut is okay this is these are some good options to tell a story with um, but it's not very helpful because doing a film feels more like making comedy in a vacuum or telling a story in a vacuum mm-hmm. because of the the longer feedback loop and the release schedule you're talking about and how much you have to do before you even get it in front of an audience. Did you find it hard at all having to like be the boss? I mean, stand-up is kind of like the ultimate. You don't need other people. You kind of go up there with an idea and then on a movie, it's like you kind of got to be like the guy who moves everybody and says, like, was that a challenge at all? Yeah, that was really difficult. I enjoyed directing and I liked the daily work of directing even more than I thought. So that was a pleasant surprise. Producing, I found exhausting, and that's what kept me up at night. That was just super stressful. Logistics and managing people and worrying about how much money we have and where we're going to park the trucks. And mm-hmm. um, This actor's schedule has changed, and now they're not available for this, and how, what are we going to do? And That kind of stuff was, was just, for me, very difficult. And probably part of why... I'm not a lawyer because <laughs> right. because that stuff I just you know I don't naturally enjoy it or feel the kind of satisfaction when I spin it when I solve those problems that other people do probably mm-hmm. who do those jobs the creative problems to me and it's not even fair to call them my problems the creative ones because I learned that people who do like line producer they're in charge of the budget and allocating the money a creative line producer makes such a huge difference. Mm-hmm. When I had my TV series, the first season I had one line producer in New York, and the second season I had one in L.A. 
And the one in LA was so much more creative. She was such a great problem solver and it had such a tangible effect on the quality of my show or at least the number of options I had when I got to the edit. I just had more footage to choose mm-hmm. from. I just, and it was specifically because of her. So I don't have that kind of creativity is probably a better way to put it, but I can do fart jokes and <laughs> also set up shots and work with actors and stuff. You know, that stuff I liked. And it was nice because it's an opportunity to collaborate with other people. I love stand-up, but it's also solitary. It's It can be very lonely. Yeah, You know, you get what you want in stand-up if you want a headline, and what you get is traveling salesman as a job. You know, it's fun <laughs> right. when you're on stage, but you're packing up the bags, you know, getting the rental car, waiting in line, mm-hmm. GPSing on your phone, trying to find the hotel, thinking, do I have enough time to go to the hotel before sound check? You know, but nobody's with you. Nobody cares. You know, if you have an entourage, I hope you're making a lot of money because <laughs> I can't afford an entourage. So it's just me alone. But with a movie, I got to, you know, have collaborators, right. which is You'd cool. You'd be on a team. Yeah, and it feels like at its best, some sort of summer camp or something mm-hmm. when you're on a movie. You get a group of people together and you have this special experience and then it's over. And even to a certain extent, even if even if the final pro like if you can if you can like get a good enough team mentality, you guys can sort of live in your own creative bubble. Even if the movie ends up not being good, everybody's kinda like high five and they did like they're excited about it. Definitely. I th- yeah. I've been on involved in that kind of thing. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. nice. How long ago did you write this movie? Let's see. I've been trying to do the math in some of the interviews I've had, and I should know better the answer. It's definitely been five, at least five years ago. Um, Because I started writing it, then I put it aside. I tried to write something else. That was too expensive. And then I went back to this because this was the first time I wrote something specifically to get it made and shoot it myself. Mm -hmm. I've written and sold other screenplays. Those were sold to studios. I didn't worry about budget or practical constraints on that, those ideas, the way I did on this one. Because this one, I really wanted to get the money. I knew it would be an independent project, so it would be small. So I really had to think about how to make that possible. Mm -hmm. Took a little more time. Is it hard having to sort of uh, like discuss feelings that you might have had five years ago and sort of be the press agent for this past incarnation of yourself no it's kind of nice it's taken so long that um i forgot about you know i haven't thought about it in a while the movie sold like a year ago Mm -hmm. so that felt like a finish line and then it was out of my hands and then cbs films now you know said okay here's the release date we're gonna start doing press Mm -hmm. so it was almost like reactivating the whole project or something but enough time had passed so i thought oh yeah this is nice i can look back on it and i have a little more perspective and i don't feel as kind of wrapped up in it mm-hmm. i want it to do well and i care about it and everything but it's finished right. in a lot of ways but then it's like the logistics of you know setup and punchline like i'm sure like Google Glass is not a thing since the movie came out, which probably are there are other things that you might have skewered uh, that are that that are that no, you, that I mean, there's a couple jokes, different. yeah. I mean, I've seen people wear Google Glass since the movie came <laughs> right. out. I mean, it still exists. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I remember but it's it the least. movie. Yeah, the movie's older. There's this joke about vampire TV shows that <laughs> made more sense when the movie was made. But yeah, 
most of my stuff is pretty evergreen. I don't do topical stuff too much. Mm -hmm. So I usually get away with a little bit more of a window than folks who do specific pop culture things. But yeah. Um, you have Rory, Rory Scovel playing your uh, best friend. friend. Did you ever worry that that was like too many guys with round hair like at the, in the same No, thing? I didn't worry about that at all. <laughs> he was the only guy I knew before the uh, production because oh, yeah. he's a stand-up. Mm-hmm. Everybody else I auditioned. Um, no, um, I think there's only one beard in the movie. Oh, two, oh, maybe yeah, two right. beards. So I, I did pretty well on beards. Um, and I think it's only two comics. Oh, no, Kate Berlant's a comedian. So, yeah, there are a few stand-ups in the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't really know anybody personally except for Rory a little bit before we started production. But, yeah, I was happy. He came in and auditioned, and he did such a great job. I was like, great. But I didn't know Reed Scott, who I'm a, I think is great, and I didn't know Gillian. But, Were they uh, most of those first choices? I mean, uh, I didn't even have, you know, I didn't have people in mind. Kevin Klein, I certainly had in mind when I finished the script because I thought, geez, I'm a fan of Kevin's, but also he's one of those actors, I'd say one of the few who can really give a dramatic performance and also has such a unique, specific way of being funny mm-hmm. that I find funny. So that was kind of a fantasy to get Kevin Klein to play that part and then the others I didn't have people in mind um, I just was lucky enough to get help from Allison Jones who's a really great casting director who has massive credits she did me the favor of you know people everybody's doing you a favor on a small movie like this because everyone's taking a pay cut and it's a harder process in a lot of ways because you just don't have time to right. do stuff so she really helped me and all these people I didn't know came in and it was um, it was cool. It was interesting being on the other side of the casting table for once. When you make a movie that's like set in uh, Brooklyn and L.A., like, do you worry that someone in like Iowa is gonna like sort of just tune it out? Like, oh, it's like a it's like a Brooklyn dramedy. No, I don't even know if someone in Iowa is gonna see the movie. You're you're, you're giving <laughs> well, it way too much credit. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's a great problem to be worried about. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm lucky, someone in Iowa will know know about the movie. I mean, there's the internet, so it's not like Iowa's in a different. Um, era or something but but yeah no plus you know you just want to tell a story about something that you know so especially as a first timer so yeah it made sense to me because I've spent time in Brooklyn you think that hurts other movies when they sort of uh, like some movies you watch and they like take the place names out of it and they try to make it anywhere like I don't know I guess it depends on the project Um, there's so much content now it's uh, I guess good and bad because there's such a specificity and if people have the energy to curate their experience their viewing experience and hopefully they find your thing and it hits those buttons perfectly if they don't you kind of get lost in the pile especially when it's a small thing like this so you know i find the specificity makes it easier in my case to write the material and to make comedy out of it but i don't know i guess it, i can't think of an idea right now that would work well generically but if I had to, I bet you I could come up with something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if a producer said, one yeah. more. okay. Um, I mean, now you're, you've done so many different things, TV and, and, and you know, not with the movie. Was there anyone whose career that you sort of wanted to emulate when you started out? And like, has that changed at all to where you are now? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question that makes me think about um, my time in comedy and how things have migrated a little bit in my head when I was younger I loved Stephen Wright I still do 
he was a big influence on me and I've mentioned him many times in interviews because I think he's just great and very original, such a great writer, such a funny comedian. Um, and I love Gary Larson, The Far Side. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I thought I wanted Stephen Wright's career or anything like that, but the idea of being a comedian, making a living doing it, and then being able to headline was a fantasy of mine. Along the way, I started thinking about movies and TV shows. Movies then became a big fantasy for me. And I discovered Woody Allen's work much later in my life than a lot of my friends did, you know, who were comedians. When I talk to other comedians and we talk about, oh, some guys were listening to comedy albums when they're really little and they, they're real comedy nerds. I came to things a bit later. And I think I'd been doing stand-up for a couple years before I knew Woody Allen had been a comedian before he was a filmmaker. But Woody Allen, Albert Brooks, Steve Martin, Andy Kaufman, there were then a, a second wave of people who really inspired me after I started doing comedy. But I don't know if, I, if there's any specific career I'd want, but the, the idea that I could make films um, and then still do stand-up, specifically in direct flight markets, like that would be really nice. <laughs> Um, th- those, you know, that's kind of the fantasy now. Mm-hmm. Writing books. If people still buy books, I'd love to write some of those. And I do like drawing. I'll never be great at drawing, but I do like it as a way to communicate ideas in a different way mm-hmm. rather than telling them to people. If you can draw it, if that can make people laugh just on paper, I think that's interesting. So if I can kind of rotate those crops, then hopefully I'll make money for long enough if I live as long as I want to. But I'll be okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Cool, man. Thanks. What if I just crashed my car right into the media? <laughs> I mean, we, we could have made... That's how, that's how I say goodbye now. We could I make... phone that. I, cr- I crashed into the media. We're going to make podcasting history. Yeah, I am surprised no one has died on a podcast yet. That's that's strange to me. It, it could be the happen, first, but it probably. Do you know for sure? It probably happened, but nobody was listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably what happened so to YouTube, did, Matt. So then it didn't really happen. Did, but, like did it? Then would you, so anyway? Do you say Schrodinger's cat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be Schrodinger's Matt. <laughs> Oh, wow. yeah, you went there. If you didn't have a phone mm-hmm. and you died halfway through the trip, no one would know. Mm-hmm. 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 Or we wouldn't, but the mm-hmm. cops might. I, I guess the question is, is like if your friend or your guest dies while you're recording the podcast, do you upload the episode? Fuck yeah, you trying to get those clicks, dog. You have to. That would be yeah, our highest rated episode ever. New story tie-in? Yeah. That's perfect. That's great for SEO. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I mean, for sure. Yeah. What we're trying to say is please crash your car. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to say it but not say it. Die, Matt. Die. I'm just going to go on record right now as saying uh, if I die while recording uh, a podcast, um, upload the podcast, <laughs> but but like try to... Try to make it sound like I didn't scream. Like, just cut out the scream. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. I'll make it sound like you died heroically. He died uh, freestyling. Yeah. yeah. Frogcast. Uh, it just trails assuming... off. Frogcast 437. He would have wanted it this way. 
yeah, just make it sound like I died. Uh, like, like invent a, a, a scenario in which a woman right before I get crashed into like is in my car, and then we start fucking right, mm -hmm. and then uh, and then we're like fucking hella good. There's then there's like another woman, mm. and then we and then we fuck more, and then like we have we she get they both get pregnant. Right. That's how American God family. starts. Is it? Dane and Cook is getting roadhead and uh, gets in a car accident. Oh, man. Yeah. And then he becomes a god? No. Oh. The lady that was uh, giving him head uh, becomes a zombie, though. Oh, man. There's zombies in it? Yeah. And it's Emily Browning. She's great. I hate zombies. Wait, does, does he get his dick bitten off? Yeah. She bites it off. They find it in her mouth. So his wife, the spoilers for American Gods, uh, watch it. His wife takes Wait. the dick out of Laura's mouth, puts it in Dane Cook's butt, and has him buried with it. Oh, with a dick in his butt. This is all the first episode that came out like 10 weeks ago. Get on it, people. Do you think you have to be uncomfortable in the afterlife if you have your own dick in your butt? I mean, you don't have a it body anymore. Like it. <laughs> it's true, yeah. I mean, it could feel good. I mean, it, that's, it's your dick. One man's heaven is another yeah, man's hell. Yeah, first of all, it's your dick. So not only are you getting the pleasure of having something inserted in your anus which is very pleasurable but also it's your own dick so you get to come in your own asshole that's what everyone wants right that's true that's yeah. all i've that's all i've ever wanted yeah <laughs> i'll ever want it um yeah that's what i would do if i had a portal if i had a portal i would i would i would that's, make I would a glory hole with the, the portal <laughs> And then and put the the other portal near my butt, and then I would fuck my own butt. So it's like a glory, it's like a glory portal. <laughs> yeah. This is like you and and Joe with the Ejac box. I feel like if you guys teamed up with someone who could build these things, you'd have something. Get on well, it, tech bros. You create portal technology, then you've or, uh, open up a whole other can of worms. But we I already have it. Wake up, sheeple. We, we we don't yeah but we don't have portal technology the way that it would work in order to fuck your own butt yeah i mean you gotta yeah that's that's true you gotta build that out and then get it to consumer level we're not quite there yet we'll get there oh, someday get the r and d and our our we barely we barely have good enough like electronic self-jacking off machines they're not that good no i don't like them before you get to the city, stop at Sand Hill Road. Just walk into the first building you see. Scream, dick fuck my own butt with my dick portal. Someone's going to hand you maybe a check not, for $10 million. Maybe not those exact words. I mean, he's a white guy. He'll be I fine. Mean, maybe. That's true. It's true. He's got chunky, he's got chunky mm -hmm. eyeglass frames no, like, and everything. He belongs here. Yeah. Oh, this give guy, him give yeah. me $5 million. I'm allowed. He looks like Thomas Middleditch's taller brother. <laughs> Thomas Middle I mean, bitch. Honestly, <laughs> little bitch. Hey, you just call me Thomas Middle bitch? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that right. Was, that, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. That, that was good, though. Mm. Yeah, dude. So don't see the mummy, by the way. So, like, Tom Cruise, he's, like, he's like searching for, for ancient relics or some shit because he's, like, the male Tomb Raider. And uh, Tom Cruise, he has this. Who cares? I just, well, I want to talk about Tom Cruise for a while. You don't have to have seen the movie to discuss this with me. They do okay. this thing where they like they want to make him still young and virile, but he's like he's so he's like such he's so like a mannequin. 
Like he's kind of just like he's so old and sterile. No, but he doesn't look old. Like he looks like a thirty-something man, but he looks like a very hairless, very sexless thirty-year-old man. Weirdly, he's like a walking, talking Kendall's crotch. Yeah, exactly. Like he's uh, he's definitely Kendall's. He has not fucked something that he's attracted to in a very long time. But that's okay, because right. he is auditioning for another wife, I learned in the supermarket checkout aisle. Oh, yeah. But I feel like he takes all How do that- you know what he's attracted to, though? He's probably attracted to some weird shit. He jacks off in the mirror for sure. Mm-hmm. He's only attracted yeah. to himself. Well, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I think that he does not spill his seed in pleasure, and that's why he looks so young. Like he's somehow <laughs> he's the forty-year-old virgin. <laughs> he has redirected that back, and that's why, like, he like uses it in the place of collagen. You know, like you're, he's you a proud old, boy. You get, you get old and you lose collagen, and your skin starts sagging. Like it's he he fills in. He's got restylane in his face, but it's made from his own unspilled cum. Yeah, he's he's a proud boy. Oh, a proud boy. He's a proud boy. Does they that what do that? that? Is? Well, there's a bunch yeah. of other stuff that goes along with being a proud boy. Why are they named boy? after a song You have to be like an all right. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, I, I, who knows? I, I don't know. A boy who has sworn off women, right? It's like a... It's a yeah, it's you're, you're an adherent of like all right. Uh, Only talk to women if you're yelling at them and calling them fat. Exactly. <laughs> and then you don't jack off. Why yeah. wouldn't you jack off? Like, if you're happy I don't know, to be a man, make that's you like, more fucking angry. Yeah. But like, that's the most like manly thing you can do. And if but you're like, I love awesome. being a man, I agree. What, what, Matt? <laughs> the testosterone makes you strong. Oh, yeah. But if, do you, does if you, you te- just keep, you keep it in your balls and then it turns into fuel for anger. I remember my junior year of high school, my friend Justin, he had a theory. He was taking biology and he had a theory that <laughs> if, I can't wait to if, he, if he did not jack off, that his body would produce more pheromones, which would make him irresistible to women. So he just went like weeks and weeks and weeks without jacking off. Um, did his scent change? And, and nothing happened. And then it just got to the point where he was like so like backed up. He was going, I mean, because we were like 16 years old. Like he's going nuts because he's just like, he, he is so backed up and um but the problem was he could only rub one out using like his shower head that like vibrated a certain way so he got he left school and got in his car and drove home <laughs> why because he's just so, angry about something yeah I, I remember sitting next to him in chemistry class and he's just he had this like bucket Fidgeting. hat and he's like pulling it down over his head going <laughs> oh he probably wishes he had a fidget spinner yeah or a bowl of cornflakes or something. Did he get I don't really know. cranky though? Yeah, he was like grumpy and like insane and like keyed up. I mean, God, when you're yeah, when you're like 16, I mean, that seems like a real Matt Lieb thing where you have your special jack off way, like where you can only do it lying down or you have to like fuck your mattress or something. Yeah, Matt, your, when you're traveling, like, do you bring like a compact Joe? mirror to jack off into? I used to like uh, just jack off through my underwear by uh, just uh, scratching my dick. <laughs> That was uh, because it created sort of like a vibration. Uh, yeah. But that was back in the day. That was back in the day when I didn't come. Like I, I mean, I came, but I didn't have any fluid. Uh huh. So so it was much cleaner. And then eventually, uh, event, eventually, it was all uh, lots of lotion, a lot yeah. of upside down motion. Matt, I have a question. Did you turn to heroin because you don't know how to jack off right? <laughs> Well, no, the heroin was just like, man, I'm jacking off too much, and this really stops me from doing heroin. Really stops me from uh, feeling. 
And so, yeah, that was that's the only thing that I miss from uh, being a heroin addict is not caring about sex. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that does yeah that is that is a benefit. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's like you can just like you Get can so just much done uh, in interact with the world. <clears throat> it's so nice. Mostly you sleep. Yeah. You're like, actually, I can penetrate myself, and then you just pop it right in there, pop it in the vein. Yeah, the veins right are the, the vagina of the arms. Yeah. Did you ever shoot up in that your penis? True. Of course he did. No, I never needed to. I also was afraid because it's like, uh, you know, so uh, you don't want to mess with that. For me, I looked at that. I said, that's that's fucking with my future. Right. Your child's, yeah. child's you don't want, like, future. Drug come. No, my own, my own like. Because I was like, if I ever do get off this stuff, I'm going to really regret the times I shot up into the dick and then the dick fell off. I also heard I, I, I heard someone talk about, like, if you shoot up into your dick, your dick falls off. Mm. Um, if you jack off too much, your dick school. falls off. So but, it's probably not true. But you uh, you were, like, you had a good, me- like, you never got any abscesses and shit, did you? Like, weren't you super, didn't you no, work at a needle clinic no, I- or something? Yeah, I worked at the uh, the AIDS Prevention Center, so you get a bunch of clean uh, clean syringes and stuff like that. It's pretty dope. So that was that was that what you would suggest if someone was looking to get into heroin? Well, if you're looking to get into heroin, uh, don't. But uh, if you absolutely must, uh, you know, maybe just uh, you know smoke it. Yeah. And, uh, all right, and if I'm going to give advice to people who absolutely must use IV drugs, then yeah, go to uh, go to AIDS Prevention Center. They have all these like needle exchanges. So they'll they'll hook you up so that way you don't get AIDS. Can you give them and not needles and they'll still give you needles? Wait, what'd you say? Will they still give you needles if you don't have needles to turn in? Yeah, they'll uh, usually. I mean, they're technically not supposed to, but like they, they'll do it. Mm. We're, yeah. They're going to lose all their funding. Shoot responsibly, Frogcast. Can you buy syringes just like at Walmart? Buy them on Amazon. Yeah, yeah Amazon. I, I, th- I think you can, but I, I've never seen. I've never actually seen it, but I, it's got to exist, right? You're yeah. supposed to be spending or all your you money on heroin it? at this point. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah, we, we get a bunch That's of junkies true. to share an Amazon Prime subscription. <laughs> Then they can watch stars. Yeah, yeah there you go. American gods. Um, no, a, I, I had a conversation. And, and if you're going to use needles, you know, you want to go with the, the BD brand. It's way better than Trumo. The Trumos are just like, they, they barb really easily at the end, and that really hurts. So yeah, you don't want that. The BDs, those, those are the best. Yeah, I had a conversation with one, with one of my friends once, and he, he struggled on and off with drugs, and I was like, Oh hey man, haven't heard from you in a while. How are you doing? He's like, oh you know, I'm just I'm I'm at Walmart. I'm like, oh cool, you just picking up some stuff. He's like, yeah, getting some sticks. And I was like, <laughs> oh like to Pixie like to sticks? start a fire. Like what? Like, oh you got to stir like, a paint can. Yeah, like being totally naive. And he's like, no, no, I just bought a bunch of heroin. I'm gonna get a hotel room and I'm not coming out until the weekend's over. And I was like. Oh, okay. Have fun, uh, buddy. Yeah. I'm such an idiot. I was walking by these uh, two street people in San Francisco where the dude was like um, shooting heroin into his girlfriend's leg. And I walked by and my first thought was, oh, that's really cool. He's like stitching a cut that she has. And then like I got like five feet further. I'm like, I'm an idiot. They're clearly <laughs> doing heroin. 
It's also nice that and he's doing it follow? for her. Yeah. Chivalry's not dead. Yeah. Matt, I have a question. Does heroin like uh, make your, your hands and fingers swell up really bad? Um, I think, uh, I mean, I never had any experience with like swelling, except for the one time where I accidentally shot codeine. And then uh, I had an allergic reaction. Just, uh, PSA for broadcast listeners, do not shoot up codeine. You will go through anaphylaxis. If you're allergic uh, to everyone? coding. Everyone? Or? No, no, everyone. It's, it's, it's the, uh, it's just, for some reason, it's how the body interacts with intravenous use of, of coding. Interesting. I didn't know that. Because <clears throat> so I, I feel like. shoot up scissors. Yeah. I feel like every episode of, um, of, uh, what's it called? The broadcast. Um, Yes, every episode of the front, every episode of intervention, oh. like when they have someone who does IV drugs, it'll have like a close up of them preparing it, and they always have these like super swollen, like oh, acromegaly fingers. Uh, you ever notice that? I've not. Yeah. No, I haven't watched that show enough though. It's pretty good. The one where I the mean, girl's addicted to the date rape drug. What is it? GHB. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the computer cleaner because that's the famous one. Allison. Yeah. yeah. Her name is Allison. Oh, She's my favorite. Well, she was so great because she unwittingly like comically punctuated so much of like her crazy <laughs> rants with yeah. like the huge drag off the <laughs> can. Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Where, they had a and factory there that, would be that like, rocked me though. Yeah, there would be like a beat, and then she'd be like. <laughs> she's one of that show's success stories. Like she's been clean ever since. Yeah. No, she wasn't. What? She was later on Animal Hoarders. Oh. What? She was like stealing her neighbor's cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember and she also had a bunch on of cats. drugs. And she bleached her hair. It looked terrible. Like <laughs> of maybe, all the things, that's the injury. worst. Maybe she's just addicted to being on trashy reality TV shows. Could be. Hey, this was prestige reality. It was on A and E. Yeah, like the gold standard. That's all trash. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Tom Cruise is a animated uh, Ken doll. Why do I feel like I feel like I derail it every time I talk, and I'm just trying to contribute? No, it's cool. I'm bringing it back. It's my job. It's your guys' job to derail, and then I yeah. and then I bring back the discussion that nobody wants to have in the first yeah, place. Matt, like, don't feel I bad. Feel like Vince I is the only one that lot. talks about that wants to talk about this movie that everyone hates and no one's seen. But yeah, well, you guys don't know where I'm going with it, and why should you? So of course you want to derail it. Um, he's like, don't he, see it, but also let me tell you everything I about just it. Wanna t- I just want to like, I want to get my thoughts out there. Okay. He's like a human Ken doll crotch, and then in the first scene, the sexy archaeologist shows up, and she's like, I can't believe you stole my map when we were doing it last night. And it's kind of just like, it feels like they're, the movie's really trying to overcompensate for the fact that Tom Cruise is the least sexual human being ever, because it's like, oh no, he was totally doing with this chick last night. She goes to another school. She's okay. <laughs> Like, he was definitely, he does chicks all the time. And, and he, he steals is, from them, which is so cool. Definitely a sexual man. Yeah, what a scamp he is. He's definitely not the, the actor that's going to wear his sexuality on his sleeve. No, that's for Tom Hardy to do. Yeah, like Tom Hardy's like just going to get pregnant looking, looking at you. Just in the Dunkirk trailer, you're like, mm, yeah. all right. Yeah, he's probably going to get those Am Germans I rooting for pregnant. Germans now? <laughs> is he a German in that? I don't, I wouldn't think so. He's in a plane. <laughs> Yeah, Ooh. and they're well, the yeah. ones shooting them on the beach, right? Mm. But maybe that he's... movie looks so boring. I can't Aww. get through it. But Tom Aww. Hardy's in it, so I'm like, all right. Harry Styles is like in it too. It's Christopher Nolan, so you know, it's like, all right, Womp. all right, Mr. Nolan, I will. Yeah, I don't know with Christopher Nolan. I'll give you a chance. Yeah, Wait, I'll give it a chance too. Matt, you're still driving, right? 
Yeah, still driving. Okay, pull over <laughs> to the side so that you're in the shoulder and it does that like da 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 like do that and that's the Christopher <laughs> Nolan noise. I'll try it. Don't try it. Wait, you're gonna die. It has to have the ridges. Does the uh, the road doesn't have the ridges there, does it? Does five eighty have oh, the ridges? No. no, there's no more ridges. But okay. what about just bumps? Here, listen to the bumps. Did you hear it? Yeah, yeah, a little oh, bit. Oh man, sounds like a fetal heartbeat. I just want to contribute. Yeah. You're doing great. Well, well, I want to move on to a topic that we can all maybe contribute to, possibly. I don't know. At least Brendan can. Uh, Colin Kaepernick. Is he getting fucked or what? Feels yeah, like absolutely. he's getting fucked around a lot. Absolutely. And it seems like bullshit. And I want to say that it's bullshit while not advocating for him to be the starting quarterback of my team. <laughs> yeah. Because we already been there. And I supported him when he was our starting quarterback. Let him I mean, do if, his if thing. you look, if you match up, <clears throat> excuse me, if you match up his statistical performance with uh, a lot of the other guys that got backup, um, he got cut for Austin Davis in Seattle. Who the fuck yeah, is Austin exactly. Davis? Like, like Jimmy like, Garoppolo. <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, like match match him up with with Austin Davis's statistical performance for the Cleveland Browns, and it's like it's not even close, right? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, he's getting <laughs> fucked, man. So what I mean, but, but like, what do you expect? The, the NFL is, um, I think, racist I, is the it, word. It is. Yes, yeah. there was. I think it might have been Tom Skoka, um, who used to write for Gawker. Yeah, and he wrote a whole piece about how, really, when you boil it down, the NFL is like billionaire cosplay because <laughs> the other sports don't like fillet the owners as much. Like, like when they show the owners box. Like you can't even name the owners like of other yeah. uh, most of like baseball teams or like, or like no one knows right yeah. or like baseball or basketball teams or hockey teams like you don't know who the fucking owners mm-hmm. are and like you know who the owners are for every single NFL team because like they go they cut to the owners box and they yeah and they don't say there's you know Arthur Blank they say there's Mister Blank you know it's like they call him like Mister and they just like it, it's so weird and. They force um, Al Davis's desiccated face on your eyeballs. Yes. <laughs> you shouldn't have had to look at that. No one it's should. It's so bad. Yeah. It's so Did bad. Did he die? Yeah, he died. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, he's That's... long dead. But, like, you know, they still, you know, they they, they just, they revere the owners so much. And the, the players are such the help, you know. And they're, they're, right. they're totally treated as such. And the NFL is just so, I always, like, I have a theory that there's, like, a time machine in the NFL office. That it just has like a portal to like Nixon's cabinet, and then like <laughs> they just when they need to hire someone, they just pull someone from like Nixon's cabinet to be like marijuana pr- promotes subversion. <laughs> right, this, right. Is, this is dangerous. I you know, know like, pornography when I see it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I can't define it. So my question is this: Let's let's bomb Cambodia. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my that, that was my impression of Henry Kissinger. Yeah, I like that. My question is this: at, at a certain point. Like the 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 thing that confuses me is I understand the general baseline of being like a stodgy white owner slash stodgy white sports writer, sort of the same thing. Yeah, you get it. But at some point, like, doesn't your profit motive outweigh your your sticking? Doesn't your profit motive outweigh your fuddy duddiness? Like, wouldn't you rather have? Like a controversial guy who's gonna sell some tickets, like yeah, but like, the backup quarterback's not gonna sell tickets. You know what I mean? That's true. Like maybe maybe well, like jersey Michael sales, Sam, but those are so. But the jersey sales are like so watered down. I mean, I think part of it is like Michael Sam was like a, a five foot eleven defensive end, so yeah, it's like he's too yeah. short for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like he's a decent college player, but like couldn't quite bring it to to the Whereas next level. But like clearly has the you know he's clearly yeah, better I mean, than most of the alternatives, right? Um, 
you know, I think I, I, so to answer your question about the profitability, there's so much revenue sharing between the merchandise sales and the TV money mm-hmm. that it's kind of like it's not as if it you know for the franchises that don't sell out versus uh, like sell sell tickets every game uh, versus the franchises that do it's not as if those franchises are like raking in more money right it's so much more about like uh, how much are you on like primetime TV and like that kind of stuff yeah. It's also equitable, so it's not as if like a team could sign Colin Kaepernick and see like a significant bump because a bunch of people who back his views are like buying jerseys and stuff. So like is that. it just like, like is, what it they need? Li- is it literally just their boring friends saying like, "Oh, that Colin Kaepernick, he's such a distraction." Like, is it just yeah, yeah? That's it. Yeah, they don't hang out with, they don't talk to regular people, right? But if they could figure out a way to monetize murals in <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. up and coming neighborhoods, mm-hmm. they would make bank on Kaepernick. Yeah. So like, like they don't even give shit. I would argue they don't even give a shit about what happens, or at least what happens at the stadium is so significantly less than the revenue they're making off of uh, TV money and like NFL branded shit, like IE fantasy football and and all that other kind of stuff. So it, it really doesn't matter, and that's why you see all these owners who are like <laughs> like. They're like, hey, give us $4 billion in public money. Otherwise, we're going to move. Uh-huh. And then they do. Like, they don't give a shit about the fans because it's not even about it's not even about having a local fan base anymore because everyone has Sunday ticket and everyone plays fantasy football. Like, fantasy it, football costs so far money? beyond that. Well, there's – it depends. You can sell ads uh, for free fantasy football leagues okay. or there are leagues that you have to pay a fee if you're going to do... Because whoever wins gets right. the... Plus, the interest uh, generated by... Sorry, I'm pointing. No, the interest generated by fantasy... The interest generated by fantasy football obviously boosts the uh, overall interest and also <laughs> ha- can tangentially be related to the increased purchase of Sunday ticket because... If you don't really care about your local team and you mm-hmm. just care about the people you have on your fantasy team, you're going to pony up to buy Sunday ticket okay. and watch the games, and then that money goes directly to the owners. Mm. Gotcha. Capitalism is works. so evil, man. Just laid it out for y'all. I'm yeah. sure there's that is riddled with factual inaccuracies, but the overall. You said it really authoritatively, so correct. I'm yeah. inclined to believe you. Yeah, plus you're a white male. I just, mm-hmm. you know, you just get that. That's right. You're wearing shirt sleeves, man, you're pointing at I me. I just fucking mansplained y'all. <laughs> you feel like that's an authority what, figure. That's what happened. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird that uh, controversy seems to work in everyone else's fav- favor except for the NFL. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just that everyone is so just like old and fucking lame. (laughs) (laughs) It's just amazing that it can last that long. Well, and it's the vault. Can't wait till Kate and Rooney Mara are at the helm. Yeah, well, they're also like, and they're yeah, they're all like passed down Harry Styles. I've talked about this. I've talked about this before, but they've all been passed down through the families. So you have like the eighth generation who's like running the team, and they don't know fuck about anything. They don't know baronet. Yeah, they've grown up rich. They're fucking Trump fail sons who've grown up rich and don't know how to do anything. So they're like. Uh, I don't know how to do anything, but I have all the power. What do I do? Okay, I'm just gonna start firing people until like people decide to respect me. Like, just yeah. like That's, the dad on goddamn like, Down Abbey. Seriously, 
authoritarianism is bred by incompetence that is like that is it and yeah. so you've got a bunch of incompetent people running teams who yeah. who know the only thing they know how to do is like what they see in movies they and do it's like you know mob movies where it's Seaman like is the enemy yeah was. where it's like <laughs> I, I demand loyalty or like whatever it's, it's just all this like old stupid bullshit but yeah you say semen is the enemy but have you seen tom cruise's face if all those guys never came we wouldn't be in this mess mm, that's true that's true oh we'd all be dead it'd be fucking mate what if oh, they, maybe God, they didn't wait. come good enough <laughs> if you only come like a yeah, then you have like an incompetent son yeah bad come yeah they send all and their just like because it drips out just because it drips out and doesn't shoot real hard doesn't mean you didn't come hard. <laughs> I mean, the drip stuff can still get you pregnant, so well, yeah. can get me yeah, pregnant. Yeah, that's, that's the most that's the most potent stuff. Is this, so, no, is it means you have to send your kid to St. Mark's instead of Groton. <laughs> and yeah. no rich people's schools. It sounds like Matt's a dribbler and he's trying <laughs> to defend it. Dude, I'm only know? a dribbler when I have when I have a baby carrot in my butt. Oh, you're not when you when are you shooting hot ropes, dude? You're not shooting ropes. <laughs> When I shoot the ropes, when I'm when if I've had a good meal, uh, <laughs> some then, grilled pineapple. Usually, I, I, I can shoot a nice thick rope. <laughs> you know that there's like some but, site somewhere where where Peter North is like giving tips on how to on, on how to shoot the thickest ropes. He sells a oh, supplement. Oh yeah, there's, oh, there's definitely really? like yeah, there's 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 things you can do to make that nice thick. Get that thick cup. Does, uh, does Infowars sell a product like that? Like, you take, you they take, have to. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Jones are like, oh, 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 you take, you take this supplement. You're gonna be doing CrossFit with these ropes, thick ropes. So I yeah. go to Infowars. Um, everyone wants to check in. I couldn't you into an Alex Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's usually so easy. Shooting hot loads of gun. <laughs> I'm not Bill Hicks. <laughs> Got more ropes than one of the original six frigates. You'll be like the USS Constellation. Full of liberty. Um, yeah, I, I check in there every once in a while, and what their latest product that I'm kind of obsessed with is uh, it's called a tactical bath. Uh, Whoa! It's just like an envelope. It's just like an envelope of wet wipes. But I just love like the idea oh my of like God. you call you call anything tactical, and every like every prepper. Yeah, every like 500 pound guy with a goatee and a hard on for the military is like, oh shit, so, like I'm gonna buy this right now. AKA a whore shower. Yeah. 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 It's, um, you just add tactical. There's, just, there's, there's also, speaking of cosplay, there's also such a significant part of the worst part of our country that has like, they don't want any of like the commitment or the hard parts of joining the military, but they have such a hard on for the military. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like all the, all the, um, there's guys the, like that. All the Bundy work. guys, all the, yeah. the who occupied, like they all said they were in the military. Like none of them were in the fucking military. <laughs> and every photo, they were like, um, my one of my friends who was in the Marines said they refer to these guys as gear queers. Um, <laughs> who just has so like good. every like their rifle has like the scope and the flashlight and like uh, you know and, and the rails with all the different stuff on it. And then they got like. The gloves are like the hard knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> like in case they end up like punching someone in the face, even though they're holding like a fucking assault rifle. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, and, but they all, oh, they're all doing that. 
and they have like the pouches with like the maps stuck in them and like the pens and you know and they got like the hat with the clip and the kids need to clip in their night vision goggles that they're hoping someone sends them on Amazon. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure anything's yeah. like that. Like if a guy shows up to jujitsu and he's got like suit, he's got all like brand name gear and it's like mm-hmm. I must yeah. protect this house. It's like you know, and he's got way too much of it. You like you, you look at him and you go, oh, I know this guy sucks. Like I yeah. don't have to see. You ever drive by like one of the softball fields here in the city and you see like a guy wearing Under Armour oh and you're my like, God. oh, you fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. loser. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, every girl I know is becoming a doomsday prepper right now. All like, I mean, well, it seems like we're going to doomsday. I mean, it's I took a, a botany irrational. class of edible and medicinal plants of the Bay Area, and twenty percent of the class was women like me who were like, "Well, I mean, if it comes to it, I just want to know like what to do and eat and like." It's not a bad thing to know. Yeah, it's great to know. We're all taking uh, self defense classes together. Yeah. Having my mom bought me a knife from my Amazon wish list for my birthday. It was great. Knives are pretty legit. They're so cool. Yeah, they really are. Stock up on tactical baths in case you don't have running water. Do yeah. I, want, I just want a CPAP that's like de- desert camo CPAP <laughs> in case you have yep. to like pass out in a war zone. Uh huh. But you don't want to, you know, you don't want to choke on your own flame. We're, we're running a special deal on Digicam diabetes socks. <laughs> Matt, how's it going over there? Are you here yet? Oh, it's a long road. You know, you just keep going. <laughs> uh, we got a couple of email questions. Actually, we got a voicemail. I'm going to play it. I'll tell you. I'm not going to be able to hear I'll, it. I'll tell Matt what it consists of. Okay. Hey, this is Peter from Fresno. Um, I guess people ben K. Are, are saying that the Babadook is gay. Um, <laughs> so my question is, is the Babadook gay? <laughs> Uh, that was Peter from Fresno. He says people on Twitter are saying that the Babadook is gay, and he wants to know uh, if the Babadook is gay. Yeah, it turns out it's canon that the Babadook is gay. Yeah. But really, the movie was actually very progressive because it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll know that we've really arrived when people don't, when people, when the Babadook can be gay, and it's just not a big deal. And we you don't know, even I think have we're to there, ask. Yeah. I assumed he was polyamorous because he wears that top hat. Mm. I, I think it's a little offensive That's because they, they assume this this guy in a top hat who stalks a little boy is gay and not a pedophile. Like, isn't he? Isn't he more of a? Maybe pedophile? he's just a steampunk. Yeah. Matt, are you driving? Like, could you slow down? You're you're getting windy over there. Go well, on mute. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to just. Uh, Go with the flow of traffic, but everyone seems to be just hauling ass. Yeah. Did you crank the window? Drive faster. No. It was, do I sound different? You sound like the Baba Duke. Did you just call me gay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. That depends on what you think of the Baba Duke. Is the Baba Duke a dribbler? <laughs> I never saw. I never saw the Baba Duke. Well, that's that's your bad, man. I mean, as as long as the Baba Duke. Fucking Zionist! The Bobby hiding in your closet doing kale exercises <laughs> to shoot the most massive yeah. loads. The Bobby Duke is definitely racist, though, because it's from Australia. The guy right, r- riding my loads ass on right your liberty. Uh, I'm just, I'm changing lane. He's riding your ass like he's the Bobby Duke. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Yeah. I uh, try to say yeah for that one, Matt. Yeah. No, I know. I just, it's, uh, I was now I'm just like mean mugging this guy for riding my ass. Give oh. him the Dikembe Mutombo. What's that? He rid- no, uh, uh-uh. uh. He oh, my ass. The finger. That's my favorite. Like he was a baby carrot. All right, I'm, I'm having fun <laughs> alone here. So. Yeah. 
Uh, other, okay, so I, I forgot to play the email song before we started uh, answering emails, but here, here we go. Your advice is always bad, but tell me more about your dad. Oh God, I am afraid to die. That's surprisingly well-timed, Matt. Thank you for that. Um, He's really yeah. good at that. He is. He really is. He knows how to count down 14 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Frotsman, in the brief time leading up to the new season of Twin Peaks, I've noticed a ton of people coming out of the woodwork to praise the original series. While the original series is good and certainly influential, I do not understand people's need to competitively assert their fanhood of the original as though there is some worldwide competition in which only the biggest fanboys of ooh, insert show band movie are rewarded ooh, ooh. in many cases ooh. i believe that this has to be put on an intended I, this has to be a put on intended to elevate one's status ooh, ooh. we see the same ooh. behavior when notable actors and musicians die people that have never once mentioned an artist or a band are its biggest fan for a day and or two maybe even trotting out a story that proves once and for all that they were a truer bigger fan than you were what the hell is it with this ongoing nostalgia competition that has permeated our culture? Everyone was the biggest fan of everything. In most cases, it is a lie, of course. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this matter. Ooh, good night, okay. Gitchin's Matt. All right, Brendan, I think we have an answer right. from Brendan. So, so I, I had one answer, and then the email kept going, and now I have a second answer. The to to more to speak to the second part of his email. Everyone's the biggest fan Stop of everything. Appropriating answer of other people. Say what now? <laughs> just go. Just go. Uh, Do your thing because I have uh, two things to say. You know, there, so much of life on social media is the performativeness of it all. And mm-hmm. so kind of trying to outdo each other where someone's like, wow, you know, obscure mu- musician X was this fundamental part of my childhood. And then like the next person like one ups it by going like, I saw obscure musician X in the airport when I was seven years old and I still owned all his records. And I told him and he shook my hand and that was, you know, but they're not really saying, Hey, this is a great experience. I have with this person. They want to let you know that they owned all the records. So it's kind of this like music store elitism. Mm-hmm. Um, Cred. Yes. It's Cindy Cred. Thank you. That was much more um, eloquent. Um, I think for David Lynch, I've talked to men before. I know oh, okay. how this works. <laughs> so the thing is, when you talk to men, what they do sometimes they do is they explain things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so with David Lynch in particular, I think David Lynch is so out there with so much stuff that it kind of creates this canvas that people can infer all this subtext, which may or oh, may yeah. not be there. Absolutely. So, you know, they, it, it, it can help you be extra deep where it's like, you know, really what this is about was like, I don't know, you know, and they're like talking some kind of shit. And I've seen enough David Lynch to know that like, he has no fucking idea what he's talking yeah. about. And he will tell and, you that straight up. Yeah. Never ask him. Now he's really good at making nonsensical shit. Like I don't just care. Take me to house of pies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bob's big boy. Um, <laughs> he, He's uh, talented enough to just make shit that doesn't really make sense still be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so I can appreciate that, but I sort of think it's a um, uh, what am I trying to say? It's a, a losing proposition to be like, oh, what he's really trying to say here is, oh, what he's okay. trying to do. Uh, yeah. I have three things. Go now. for it. Okay. Okay. First thing, just let people like things without worrying about what other people like. Two, Twin Peaks isn't good. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so stupid it feels and boring. Like the time when it came out, for sure. Three. David Lynch is so cool that he's made his like shitty projects cool by association. It's dumb. People <laughs> yeah. don't actually like David Lynch's stuff. They just like him, right? And think if they like it hard enough, he'll like 
be like, oh, good job. Like, you know what I think it is? I think, I think, for, I just contradicted my first I think point. For but. us and for anybody that's uh, like comedic, like you sort of see existence as this cosmic joke. And so you're, we're very, we're very geared for surrealism and absurdity. And we can appreciate it like, for, yeah, big whoop. What's next? Like, we can kind of, like, when David Lynch, when you see David Lynch, it's like, oh, that's silly and ridiculous. And you can sort of appreciate it. And I think that's the spirit in which it was, it, it was created. But I think um, for the sort of people that are into, they, they need like, uh, the, the people that are very conspiratorial and they're very conspiracy minded, like mm-hmm. they need, they need a grand unifying theory, and like that pattern finding thing. Exactly, and I think there's like a there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for uh, to to create your own grand unifying theory of David Lynch, even though it completely doesn't fucking exist. Nice and try, nerd. AKA, we need to put an annual quote on liberal arts degrees. <laughs> so like, hey, there's, like, when I, when people are enjoying David Lynch for the absurdity of it, I'm totally on board. And then when they're trying to create grand unifying theories of David Lynch, like, I'm totally not universe. on board. Yeah, yeah, like Eraserhead was fine, but. That sausages sketch from Kids in the Hall that was just like Eraserhead, way better. Because it was that same thing, but it was fucking funny. Yeah. Plus, fucking sausages. They're hilarious. They are. Matt, you ever stick a sausage in your butt? Hello? The question from the panel. Have you ever stuck a sausage in your butt? I got things to say. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I feel like I lost momentum. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're still driving. You have so I much momentum. I mean, it's a yes, no question, Matt. Your momentum is at least 65 miles per hour. Well, no, now I'm on traffic on the bridge. Um, I, 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 I sometimes, I understand why people get mad when all of a sudden there's an outpouring of love on social media for someone who dies. Um, what I like to do is I like to be, when I find out that somebody is dead, uh, I like to, to post on social media that they're dead. Because <laughs> I, cause I know that there, for some people, I want to be the, the person that told them. Right. So that they, <laughs> so that, so that they remember me. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like, so, so that at some point that person thinks about the one who died again and says, oh yeah, I remember Lee wrote about that on Twitter. I remember exactly what it was when GFK got shot. Matt Lee was telling me about it. <laughs> yeah. And then he wrote, and, and there's something about that. It, it makes me feel relevant and, and, and not powerless in the gigantic universe here's, where I don't matter. Here's what I want to see in a truly progressive world is that we just recognize that nostalgia is fucking poison. Yeah. Like, that's why we're in the fucking Absolutely. mess we're in right now. Yep. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, remember when. Oh, remember, oh, remember when we go the back to the future movies. There was a, yeah, there was a doo wop band on every corner. <laughs> and me and Johnny and Joey would all run downstairs and play stickball all day. And Mother like, would call us with a triangle when dinner was ready. Yeah. And but nobody, you stayed on that part of town. Yeah. We stayed on ours. Nobody Everybody knew their place. children except my Uncle Jimmy. And if you blundered into Jimmy's house, that was your fault. Personal responsibility is what I'm saying. You just didn't sign up to be an altar boy unless your mom made you. <laughs> I have a, I have an opinion about child rape. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ooh, do tell. We're gonna have to close on this, Matt. So go ahead. <laughs> I just worry that BuzzFeed is gonna doom us into becoming, into eventually evolving into baby boomers in our oh, own way. Because yeah. it's like only '90s kids nice will try. recognize. My dad fucking sucks. Yeah, only '90s kids will recognize how to disenfranchise an entire lower class <laughs> of the largest country on earth, or second, third, however large we are. Whatever. We're smaller than China. Large sons. China. I can't. I can't. I can't wait until a 90s kid is president. Mm-hmm. President Jaden. Be a, Emo president. He'll be, the, he'll be the first rad president. Like, he'll have a skateboard and neon-colored stuff. Poochie 2020. He'll be singing the Fresh Prince theme song at the State of the Union. Oh, in West Philadelphia. Yeah. Born and raised. That's the, that's the thing that got me into Harvard. Oh. <laughs> All of all of his speeches will start with four score and seven years ago. You remember that episode <laughs> of Saved by the Bell? <laughs> yeah, Space Jam. There'll be a lot of Space Jam references. I have never seen Space Jam, and me, I don't care. Me neither. Me neither. Yeah, I'm I'm really good. enough to have never seen Space Jam. Mm-hmm. Not as great if you're not seven. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's holds good, up. Though. Yeah, for sure. Sinbad's our finest thespian. So, speaking of, you know, there's that Mandela effect of, like, people swear there was a movie with Sinbad as a genie called Shazam. Did we ever get to the bottom of what that was? Because my theory is that it was, like, a Saturday Night Live sketch. Because they were popular around the same, like, right around the time Kazam came around was, like, when Sinbad was sort of at the top of his game. Sure. And he definitely hosted SNL. And I feel like maybe, I, I have this, like, vague memory of him... People Being like are a just crappy genie. racist and think that all black guys are the same. And they're like, well, Sinbad was more famous. They forget it was Shaq. And they're just like, yeah, it was Sinbad. That's like, like way more plausible than my explanation. Yeah. Capitalism, uh, we- <laughs> racism answers every single question. We got to wrap this up, you guys. Okay. Uh, Sorry for pointing so much, Allison. No, it's funny. I feel bad. Brendan, yeah. Brendan takes on out of here. Oh, we're, oh, we're yeah. doing it. We're getting it. We're I'm doing it. Boop. Boop. Officially apologizing for my uh, expressive hand gestures. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy the Dimitri Martin interview if Vince remembers to put it at the end of this. Oh, I will. In Please. the middle. Allison, anything you want to plug? Anything uh, coming up? When does this come out? Tomorrow? Hopefully. Today, tonight, I am judging the SF Air Guitar Qualifier. What? Yeah. For the fourth year in a row at... Yeah. Shit, where is it? At SF Air Guitar on Twitter. Yeah, just SF Air Guitar on Twitter. That'll tell you where it is. Did I get that right? Nice. Um, probably. Okay, cool. Shit, I'm so sorry, Beth. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Send us your emails, frotcast at gmail.com. Vince, what is a Google Voice number? Uh, yes, it's at SF Air Guitar. Nice. Uh, Good guess. It's 415-275-0030. All right. Oh, sorry, Matt. Anything you want to plug? I've got things to plug. <laughs> <laughs> Go you ahead. What you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Plug your butt <laughs> with a baby yeah, carrot, sausage. I'm we never heard it. Shows. He didn't say no. I got <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> All right. You can find me on the find me on the internet at what www.gofuckyourself.com with a U. <laughs> you gotta make sure it's a U. It comes in. Yeah, and go fuck yourself with like a portal that fucks yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
We're gonna leave the... nothing to this podcast. We're gonna leave the nothing. building, and Matt's gonna run us all over. <laughs> Disgruntled all man. I'm just gonna hear him coming down, man. Ah! Matt, if you kill us, you have to post the podcast. My okay. My life in danger. <laughs> it just put my life in danger. That's all. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. All right. We'll see you next week. Until then, good night and good chins. Bye, Matt. Kill me. Bye. (laughs) All right, guys. I'll see you later. I love you. Bye. 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 Is this like the sequel to 